Welcome to the Bigger Cashflow Podcast, where we interview business owners and real estate investors that share tips and tricks on how to grow your cash flow and reach financial freedom. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Bigger Cashflow Podcast. Today's guest is known as the Land Geek. Mark Podolsky is widely considered to be the country's most trusted and foremost authority on buying and selling raw, undeveloped land. He has actively invested in real estate and raw land for almost 20 years and has completed over 5,000 unique transactions in that time. Today, Mark is on the Bigger Cashflow podcast to share his journey into the world of buying, selling, and leasing raw land as an investment. With that said, let's welcome Mark to the show. How's it going, Mark? Bo Kim, pulse is normal, respiration's fine. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. That's great to hear. With everything that's going on in the world today, um, I think just having a healthy body and mind is, uh, you know, just a great thing to ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you can talk to our listeners a little bit more about what you do and how you create cash flow. Sure, sure. So let me just walk you through the model. So, Bo, you're in Southern California, right? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to assume you, owe, you own 10 acres of raw land in Texas and you owe $200 in back taxes. So essentially, and I'll go to the county treasurer and I'll get a list and I'll say, oh, there's Bo Kim, Southern California owes $200 in back taxes. So you're essentially advertising two important things to me. Number one, you've no emotional attachment to this raw land. You're in California, the property's in Texas. And number two, you're distressed financially in some weird way. Because when we don't pay for things, we don't value them in the same way. And you're not paying your taxes. As a result, the treasurer keeps sending you notices every month saying, Bo, you don't pay off your, your property taxes. We're going to auction this property off to a tax lien or a tax deed investor. So all I'm going to do is look at the comparable sales on your 10-acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale. Let's say it's $10,000. And all I'm going to do is divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I don't want to be like the housing guys saying I'm interested in buying your land. I'm actually going to send you an actual offer of $2,500. Now you accept it because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. In reality, three to 5% of people accept my quote unquote top dollar offer. So now that you've accepted it, I've got to go through due diligence or this in-depth research. I got to confirm that you still own the property that there's been no breaks in the chain of title. There's no liens or encumbrances. Um, what's the access like? I have this whole big due diligence checklist. I outsource my team in the Philippines and they do it for about 11 bucks. Now, and they're connected to an American title company. Now, if I'm gonna spend more than $5,000, I'll just go through an American title company. I won't take any risk. But in this case, everything checks out and I send you a check for $2,500. Now I own the property. And now, Bo, I'm going to sell this property 30 days or less, and I'm going to make a cash flow. So already, I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? Who is it? The neighbors. 
the neighbors. So I'll send out neighbor letters saying, hey, here's your opportunity. Protect your privacy, protect your views, know your neighbor. So oftentimes the neighbors will buy it. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If my buyer's list passes, I'll go to a little website you may have never heard of called Craigslist. It's the 10th most trafficked website in the United States. I'll go to an even smaller one. I'm pretty sure you've heard of this one. It's called Facebook, buy sell groups in the marketplace. And then I'll go to the lands, landmoto.com, landandfarm.com, landsofamerica.com, landflip.com, landhub.com, all these platforms where people buy and sell raw land. And the way that I'm gonna sell it is gonna make it irresistible. So for your 10 acres, all I'm gonna ask for is a $2,500 down payment. And then I'm gonna owner finance the rest. I'll make it a car payment. Let's say $449 a month, 9% interest over the next 84 months. So it's a one-time sale. I'll get my capital out on the down, or I might go six to 10 months out. And then it's a car payment, $449 a month, 9% interest in the next 84 months, both, no renters no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act, all this onerous real estate legislation. So the game that I play is can I create enough of these land notes where my passive income exceeds my fixed expenses? And now I'm working because I want to, not because I have to. Nice. No, I love that model. And I'm sure we'll dive a little bit more into it, uh, into the you know upside and the risks and all these things involved but let's take a step back and you know walk us through the journey of how you got there um is this something that you've always started in or did you try other methods of real estate and cash flow and you kind of found your niche in in land investing yeah no i i mean the only other real estate i ever bought before this was a house so if we rewind the tape 20 years ago I was, I was, I was working uh, in a job I just hated. I was, in, I was doing investment banking with private equity groups with mergers and acquisitions. And Bo, I'm telling you, man, I, I didn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd have a Friday blues and anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. I mean, I was micromanaged. I had a 45-minute commute to work and back. I hated it. And so my firm hired this guy and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's going to these tax deed auctions. He's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar. He's flipping it online and he's making a 300% return on his money. And Bo, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company, a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Your average company is 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So of course I didn't believe him. So I go to New Mexico with him. I got three grand saved up for car repairs. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy up 10 half acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I flip them online. They all sell for an average price of $1,200 each. It worked 300%. So I took all that money and we went to another auction in Arizona where I live. And again, this is 2000, there's no one in the room. And I'm buying up lots and acreage for like nothing. And then over the next uh, six months, I sold all that property and I made over $90,000 cash. So I go to my wife, she's pregnant at the time. I said, honey, I'm going to quit my job, become a full-time land investor. <laughs> and she's like, absolutely not. So I said, okay, okay. So I worked the land investing business, uh, part-time. It took about 18 months for that land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full-time 
ever since. And now I've done over 6,000 transactions to date. That is awesome. So I guess, you know, the question that comes top of mind to me is why doesn't everybody do this? Um, it has, I'm assuming you've done this for 20 years. You, you just mentioned when you started, it was back in 2000. Uh, I'm assuming the landscape has changed quite a bit. So has the rental and the multifamily and self-storage, all these different asset classes right. as well. Um, so why doesn't everybody do this, Mark? Right. So you'll never see me on HGTV or the DIY network with a show called Flip This Land. The before picture is raw land. The after picture is raw land. It's the most boring niche in the world. If you go to a RIA meeting, a real estate investment association meeting, 100 people in that room, 99 of them are wholesalers, uh, flippers, and landlords. You and I would be the only land guys. So we have this massive market that's so unsexy. All we do is shuffle paper and make money. So I think that's why. The other, the other thing is, I think it's hard to wrap your head around the niche as well, if you've never done it, right? We can all agree, everyone needs a place to live, but nobody needs raw land necessarily, right? But if you look around your house, 99% of what you have, you don't need anyways. We all want, I mean, people want raw land. It's, there's a lust for land in this country. Got it. And, you know, I, I think the key here is you mentioned that this is raw, undeveloped land, right? So I'm just curious Correct. for, you know, you have developers who are really prepping the land for our listeners who may not be familiar for a builder to come on um, and without having to do all that legwork, just really build that house, townhome, condo, whatever, uh, what have you on that piece of land. So just curious, why don't you take that, you know, step into development or what are the pros and cons in your opinion of stopping at raw land right so that that's a completely different model where you go through the development process um it, it's a lot of risk because everything's got to get approval you've got to do a phase one environmental phase two environmental um to get to get a piece of land shovel ready it could cost about 450 500 dollars when it's all said and done and there's no guarantee you're going to get that parcel even approved or zoned to the highest and best use that it can be. So now if you do get it approved, the margins are, you know, it's, it's spectacular, but most time, I mean, I mean, it's just not something, it's just too risky for me. I'm very risk averse. So I'd rather buy a piece of property, 25, 30 cents a dollar, know that the worst case I'm gonna make hundred percent of my money. If I just have to wholesale it um, and keep doing that and building the cash flow, because, you know, even if I sell it to a developer, let's say I make a million dollars, right, which is great. But now I've got a new problem. I've got a million dollars. I got to redeploy, um, pay taxes, and redeploy it on that. So this is a, uh, this model just fits me. It's like, um, think of it as a, like a SaaS for land. It's the ultimate subscription model for land. I love that. I actually work for a yeah. SaaS company during the day. So um, that, that is a beautiful model uh, to be in. Very scalable too. So in your exactly. opinion, yeah. what, are, what are some risks involved um, for somebody who, who's doing this? Um, off the top of my head, it might be, hey, you're buying some piece of land that, you know, in the future down the road, you can't flip and nobody wants it, right? That's, for example, is a risk. What are some other risks involved and how do you mitigate this in your business, Mark? Yeah, so you'd think that 
um, you buy a piece of land that's like ugly and nobody wants. Um, I've done this thousands of times now, Bo. I've never been stuck with a piece of raw land. I've bought land that looked like Chernobyl and it sold. Um, there is literally a pig for every barn. You and I might not like it, but I guarantee you at the right price, someone likes it. But going back to the Chernobyl example, you don't want to buy in an area that has any type of environmental issue. So when I'm looking at raw land, I pretty much avoid the East Coast altogether or any Midwestern industrial area. Now you could, if, you, know, you could go to epa.gov, make sure you're not buying in a super fun site, but I'm focusing on Nevada, California, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Oregon, Washington, Florida, the sunshine states, these fast growing states where there's just an abundance of inexpensive raw land and there aren't going to be environmental issues. So I think the, the two big risks when you get started, is first of all, you got to know what you're doing. Number one, you can't overpay for the asset. So just from the very beginning, to be able to do that analysis of comparable sales and divide by four, you got to know how to do that. And then number two, you have to have your due diligence in a good place. You don't want to buy something that has um, a lien or encumbrance. Not to say that you couldn't get it cured. You could, but as a newbie, it could keep you up at night. And then, of course, the environmental issue. Gotcha. I think you mentioned Superfund a, a little bit earlier. What, what Superfund site is, is a place where there, it's, the government knows that, um, let's say, we'll just pick on Procter & Gamble. Um, they, they've had an environmental spill based on a kind of manufacturing plant and the land now needs to get cleaned up and it's going to cost millions of dollars. Well, Procter and Gamble might just try to sell that land. And if they do that super fund responsibility, then gets it passed on to the new owner. Gotcha. And does that show up in the title work at all? Or is this something that the investor needs to know to research? No, you've got to, you've got to go to epa.gov to research it. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. If you're like me looking to diversify your portfolio across real estate and stock, Webull is a comprehensive app that allows you to trade ETFs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and crypto using a brokerage account, IRA, or 401k. Go to biggercashflow.com slash to get free stocks when you sign up using my referral link. If you're looking for insurance coverage for your rental properties, the company that I trust is Ross Diversified Insurance Services a national insurance agency that has been providing insurance coverage for real estate investors for over 30 years. Whether it's a rental or a fix and flip, check out biggercashflow.com RDIS to get your property quoted today. When you're purchasing your first rental property or the next, you want to work with an experienced lender who's got your best interest in mind. Sean Huss at TCF Bank has been a professional in the mortgage industry for over 25 years. With expertise in areas such as real estate sales and the mortgage closing process, Sean is able to provide comprehensive counsel to guide you throughout this often complicated process. Check out biggercashflow.com slash TCFbank to get pre-qualified for free when you mention the Bigger Cashflow podcast. And, and what's interesting, a lot of my um, in, investor audience that's listening right now, especially looking for cash flow, I mean, this being the bigger cash flow podcast, they're looking to invest in the Midwest and Southeast regions where 
you know, the rent to value ratio is a little bit more favorable, strong econo economy and population growth. Now you mentioned Oregon, Washington, California, Nevada, Arizona, and Florida as well. Um, some might consider that to not be, I guess, rental property grade markets. So what kind of price point are we looking for in 2020? If you can just give us an example of a deal in California, Washington, Arizona that you did recently. Yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, I'll tell you exactly the recent deal here. So I'm going to go, because we were talking about Texas. This is a deal that we did in West Texas. And I'm going to open it up. I'll give you the exact numbers here. So a deal that we did in West Texas, it was 20 acres. We sold it for $20,000, 188 down, 188 a month at 0% interest in West Texas. We paid 4,000 for it. Our annual yield on that property is 58.8%. Wow. Um, and our neighbor is Jeff Bezos. No kidding. He's, he's got blue. Yeah, no kidding. Like Blue Origin is all over there. That is awesome. Do you sell it to Jeff? I'm curious. Well, you know, he's been buying out there for years, like in, in a stealth way. Yeah. So, you know, we could probably right? just, yeah, we could have. We, yeah, we, we could have. We wouldn't even know. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so that's that's awesome. I mean, 58% returns. Um, what is the market like in terms of competition? Um, in some of the markets that I invest in the Midwest, Indianapolis, Kansas City, things are just so hot, even in midst of all that's going on with COVID. I mean, I'm probably getting outbid left and right. People are overpaying, in my opinion. With, with the land side, I honestly am ignorant to that market. So curious if you can shed some light what the competition is like. There's really no competition. There's billions of acres of land available and literally no one doing this. There's no private equity groups. There's no hedge funds. There's no big money. Um, you, me, a million people could get in this niche. We're all going to run out of money before we run out of deal flow. So it's, it's very different than the housing market where, again, you know, there's, there's big companies out there teaching, you know, thousands of people how to do this. Um, you've got television glamorizing it. So everyone wants to try to do it. And then everyone kind of, you know, gets it like, oh yeah, I get it. I have a house or I've seen a house. Can't be that hard. And they keep making offers. And so, you know, to your point, um, people will overpay at that point because when the markets get so hot, we saw that happen in the great recession. Land's a little different in that regard. It's very different, actually. So in, in this you know, journey that you've been on for 20 plus years, you mentioned you just com like completed over 6,000 unique transactions. Are all of these gonna be that you know, down payment and cash flow for the long term? Or are some of these just straight out sales? And um, what is kind of the thought behind that as well? Yeah, so 90% of my, my sales are owner finance. I just want the cash flow. I don't want the cash, but 10% people pay cash. And then we go ahead and just redeploy the cash um, as quickly as possible. And from that 90%, um, what is like the default rate that you've experienced in the past 20 years? 
So we use a software called geekpay.io, which um, basically is a set it and forget it system. So we get the down payment via credit card, and then we get their routing number and account number, and it draws out each month via ACH. And then it does the amortization and it does all the um, notifications to the borrower. And the borrower can log in and see their, their current balance, make a prepayment, um, and do all these things and, and know their balance. So it, it really just, um, you know, instead of spending Sundays like inputting all this information, it automates all of it. But the interesting thing about the software is if the ACH does bounce, we use a credit card as a backup on file. So it'll hit the credit card. Now, you don't want to do, you don't want to do monthly via credit card because that's not okay. But once in a while, it's, it's okay as a, you know, here and there. So our default rate, because we don't do credit checks, averages about 10% um, using that software. That's actually but, not, be, not too bad, actually, of what I was expecting. No, because there's no cost of foreclosure either because we use land contracts. So the, the property stays in my name mm. until they pay off their promissory note. And then if they default, they've got 30 days to cure. If they don't cure, I keep the down payment. I keep all the monthly payments. I just resell it. I get a new down and my yield goes way up. Got it. Okay, so I think that's the beauty of the setup right there uh, for our listeners is you know, you might be thinking some of the downside risk mitigation already with the down payment with, with marked dividing the average comparable sales by four, you're baking in that profit. And by receiving that down payment, your cost of expense is greatly reduced or, you know, minimized to zero. And then if they default, it's on a land contract. So you basically rinse and repeat and do it again. So it seems like you know, for something like this, it might be best suited if you if you do have a team. Um, so how do you kind of mm -hmm. work through that? Like, for example, with me, I remote uh, remote invest and I have a contractor, broker, property manager, all out of state. I go there once a year, approximately. Um, do you have employees necessarily working for you or can they be third party vendors? How can somebody get started? Right, right. So we have this 90% automated between software, inexpensive virtual assistants, and then again, back, you know, back end software with GeekPay. So the front end software is called LG Pass, which automates the mailings, it automates the contracts, and you keep track of all your deals and deal flow. And then from there, you've got your, vir your virtual assistant team that does the due diligence, and they can log in into LG Pass and you can see everything from there. We use an intake manager. So when sellers get their offers, sometimes you know, they'll email back or they'll call back. Um, and sometimes they just wanna yell at us, right? I don't wanna have spend time with someone yelling at me. So the intake manager qualifies the seller. Um, and then from there, um, they will, in buying the property or we might have an acquisition manager buy property. I have an acquisition manager that'll do it. And then the acquisition manager manages the, uh, the virtual, the marketing virtual assistants that post the ads. And then though, then they also qualify those leads. Then the acquisition manager actually sells the property and then does all the, the paperwork on the back end with LG pass and geek pay. So we just have a few key people. Um, 
you know, I wrote a book called Dirt Rich that talks about the model. But my second book, which I'm working on now, it's called Dirtier and Richer, is about how to scale your land business and walks you through um, the virtual assistants you need to hire, how much to pay them um, to create your team. Because the whole idea is, you know, we can always make more money. We can't get more time. And if you're doing $10 an hour work, well, you're not, you're not making any money. I mean, the scale of this thing gets to that next level. You have to be the CEO. And the CEO is not spending all day on the phone. I mean, they're working on strategy and, and, and looking at ancillary other opportunities that really move the needle. Um, and that's how you get to that next level. So yeah, um, that's, that's absolutely the case. Is This is scalable, but you don't wanna work in the business, you wanna work on the business. That's awesome, Mark. Now, you know, you worked on this part-time until you got your income to exceed your expenses and you kind of ventured into it full-time. So now in 2020, would you recommend somebody who has a W-2 job, um, can they start on this part-time? And so who is like the ideal person to start this and how much money in terms of seed capital would they need? So we help everybody all along the spectrum, um, whether, you know, you're in a, in a, a job you want to, you hate or a job you love all the way to multimillionaires that are plastic surgeons making three or $4 million a year. They're still high paid plumbers. They still have to show up somewhere and do surgery. So anyone that has solo economic dependency, which means that if they're not doing the work, they're not making any money. So essentially those, those are the people we want to help is anyone who has solo economic dependency, lawyers, doctors, jobs, freelancers. Those are the people that, you know, need to find that way that, uh, that other in that other passive income. So that they have total freedom and they can work if they want to work. They don't have to work. If they don't want to work. Um, something happens, they're protected. Their family's protected. So it's really for those people which is why we all get into real estate anyways, is for that passive income and that cash flow. Um, I'd say that, in, in, so in, unless you're you know, independently wealthy, um, it's not for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why do it? Uh, but if you're, if you're not, this is a great wealth, wealth building strategy uh, for sure. Yes. And it doesn't take a lot of capital to even get started. I start with $3,000. Okay. So right now, how much would you say ballpark estimate? If I, if me, Bo Kim wanted to get started and I wanted to buy a, you know, property to flip. Yeah. I would say you need about 500 bucks to start. 500 bucks. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I've checked out your website and it looks like you have a couple of different programs that, you know, you have to help investors get started. Um, would you like to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I've got so much free information. Um, we've got a $97 course called um, Wholetailing, how to double your money three days or less. I think for your listeners, that's a great place to start. I'd love to offer that to them for free and just find out, does this model even resonate for, for me? And if it does, we have everything to save you time. And, and really give you the training that you need to accelerate your success. Absolutely.
That is awesome. Yeah, I would say a lot of my listeners, and I take still phone calls about three to four a week to this day, just you know, to pay it forward and be a sounding board for some of my listeners who really are excited after they see a guest like Mark on the show, but they're stuck. They don't know what to do. They don't know what the next steps are. Um, land obviously is not my expertise and I can't uh, speak on it. So Mark, thank you so much for offering that course for free. So if you'd like to get more information, I'll have all that information um, on the show notes for this episode. So if you're interested, if this gets you excited listening to Mark, um, please check it out on the show notes for this episode. Now we're getting the near uh, end of our show. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that might be of value? Yeah, I love this Zig Ziglar quote, which is if you'll do for the next three to five years what other people won't do, you'll be able to do for the rest of your life what other people can't do. So I would say go in with that mentality, have some grit, um, nothing, this is a simple model, but it ain't easy. And nothing worth doing is easy. This is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a get rich and get wealthy, uh, slow scheme. And so there's, for me, there's a big difference between rich and wealth. Um, you know, athletes are rich, but the owner is wealthy. You want to be the owner. Um, and you want to own these assets that throw off this cash flow and, and build your wealth. Because even if we just took, let's just say, let's just do some math, right? Like our, our average client after the first year, let's just say they get to, they're doing this part-time, they get to 5,000 a month in, in passive income, okay? That's 60,000 a year. And then they'd say, okay, well, how much money would I need to save today at, and if I put that money in the bank at aggressive 2% CD, how much money, if I said, I think I want, I want this amount of money to throw off $60,000 a year in, in passive interest income. The banker would just say, oh, that's easy. That's $3 million. How long would it take you to save $3 million to throw off, you know, $5,000 a month in passive income? If it's, if it's longer than a year or two, then this is something you should probably explore. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, just to add on top of what Mark just said, it's, you know, for those of you who are looking to get started in real estate in different asset classes, yes, it's definitely not a get rich quick scheme for any asset class, in my opinion. Um, you got to go in with the right mentality and expectations, but you also got to think for yourself, what's the alternative? If you are working a nine to five in a job that you might not enjoy going to, or even if you enjoy it, but you're looking forward to those Fridays and you're looking forward to the 65 kind of finish line where you can hopefully retire and have enough money in your 401k, you know, why not take a chance um, and start investing in real estate, w whatever the strategy might be, right? So just wanted to share that with our listeners as well. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. Again, I will have all the show notes for this episode uh, on our website and on a link to this podcast. If you thought this was helpful, please do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes. We'll see you right back here next week for another exciting episode of the Bigger Cash Flow Podcast.
Thank you for listening to the Bigger Cash Flow Podcast. Please remember that opinions of the guests are their own, and nothing on this show should be considered personal or professional advice. Please consult your tax, legal, or financial advisor for personal advice that fit your unique situation. See you next time.